Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast, a show dedicated to the storytelling that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. Each episode is designed to inspire new ways and ideas to make your business better as we speak with the brightest minds in recruitment and HR tech. That's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. And you are listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today we have been on from FAMA. We'll be learning about the business case, the use case for wise prospects and customers use FAMA. And that's F-A-M-A for those listening at home. So Ben, would you do us a favor and introduce yourself and FAMA? Sorry, can you do, uh, you kind of cut out there. Uh, oh yeah, well, sure. Could you introduce yeah, yeah. yourself and FAMA? Yep. Hey there, thanks for having me on. Ben Mona, CEO, founder of FAMA. We're the world's largest social media screening company. And so the business case for folks that use FAMA, how do you start that? How do you start the conversation? Like, what is the problem that you that the, the technology resolves? For sure. I, I think we like to kind of start at the point of... Uh, evaluating the the screening mix, you know, that HR professionals, talent screening professionals are using today, the tools that kind of make up their arsenal. So when I positioned FAMA introducing somebody for the first time, I sort of explained it as the modern background check. So instead of looking at things like, was this person a low-level non-violent offender, you know, typically makes up a background check, were you a low-level non-violent offender a few years ago? We're much more focused on, you know, what we think uh, the modern customer, modern employee cares about today. So those are things like intolerance, threats, harassment, the sorts of things that if your people are evidencing that kind of thing and from your customers, it's going to you know alienate them, have them not come back, uh, not want to purchase from you. And two, on the other side of it, you know, with you know the, the kind of labor environment we're in right now and how hard it is to keep good people, you know, we're basically saying, hey, we want to enable you to leverage screening technology to help keep your culture great, to remove toxicity from the workforce where we know that People who are working in toxic work environments, right, with things like intolerance, you know, harassment, that kind of thing. Productivity goes down. Good people are more likely to leave. So when we position FAMA, we're basically saying, let's look at the tools you're using today to screen talent. Let's think about how we can use those tools to kind of like extend your brand in the eyes of your customers and also, you know, build a great culture and ensure the people coming into your org are sort of extending the values of your organization uh, in the eyes of your clients and your employees rather than detracting from it. So we're not trying to like say this is the new background check. I do think background screening as it stands today is always going to be a, a thing, if you right. will. But, right. uh, you know, we're, we're coming out and saying, hey, look, there's a, a sort of evolution in the market and the screening mix should evolve along with it. So uh, in terms of the things that we look at, so the the house, uh, you know, the, the why, I guess, has been explained. What do we, yeah. what do we, in, in, I guess in social listening, what are we, what are we paying attention to? I think a lot of, in, in our industry, you know, especially anytime a, a company like ours is compiling public data about people and using that in, uh, you know, credit granting, benefits, hiring, There's a lot of misconceptions, I think, in a healthy way about what goes into that. So I always start with Bob when they ask about the how, I explain what it's not. Um, so this is not a score. This is not a thumbs up or a thumbs down. This is not a yes or a no or a recommendation on a candidate or a whole person in any sense. But instead, what we enable clients to do is to bring uh, and kind of productize insights as a term we like to use from the publicly available web and bring that into you know, their talent screening funnel. So what that means is that customers can come in and say, hey, I want to know about any reference to you know, using those same kind of candidate behaviors we stuck with. 
you know, intolerance, threats, harassment. I may, I maybe want to know if any reference to illegal drugs I'm hiring in California. I don't care about cannabis, but these are the sorts of things that should they exist in a candidate's, you know, digital identity, the sorts of things they're bringing into our org. I, as the hiring manager, talent screening professional would want to know about that. And what Fama does is we handle the heavy lifting of finding a person's complete publicly available web presence. This is all consent-based, just like any other background check. So as soon as the candidate signs a consent form, what we do is we go out, find that complete publicly available web presence using a combination of both uh, people and automation in the same workflow. And then uh, we filter through that content using natural language processing and image recognition to escalate you know, anything that the client had defined as job relevant. So this kind of gets around, I think, a lot of the concerns that people have historically had about doing this themselves, where you go on a person's Facebook profile or something you see, you know, uh, a protected class, for example, or something that shouldn't be uh, included in the hiring decision. We blind clients to that by only escalating for user review, kind of the, the hits, if you will. And in background screening parlance, we have like a adjudication matrix built into the software itself. So clients can essentially define what gets escalated for human review, what gets auto cleared. So really, you know, clients were reviewing like 3% of reports where there is like a racist tweet, a Google article, we've got products now for the executive suite goes into kind of like offline news, litigation, et cetera. So we've really expanded well beyond, uh, you know, just social media today to start looking uh, at a range of other data sources uh, that, yeah, clients look at as important to hiring these days. So. Do you also are now or in the future, do you also look at uh, once the hire is done and their employees uh, monitoring? Cause you know, okay. So they didn't have a racist tweet. You know, we yeah. use that as an extreme. Uh, they didn't have a racist tweet before we hired them. However, after right. we hired them, you know, complete, you know, nonsense comes out of their Twitter account uh, <laughs> or something like that. Um, is there, is there again, at either now or in the future, do you see that as, as something that plays out? I'd say for today, there's, there's talk around monitoring. Um, you know, we do offer it, but it's for very specific use cases today um, called like security clearance use cases or, or people access, have access to very sensitive information or manufacturing systems. I'd put it, you know, less than 5% of our business today is, is some sort of monitoring product. I think that there is a movement in the background screening industry right now to kind of evangelize the future of monitoring because for the street, you know, it's a recurring revenue stream. It's not this like one-time revenue that folks are running. So if you look at some of the S1s from when the big players went public last year, they all look at, you know, the uh, monitoring market as expanding significantly, you know, over the next uh, five years or so. So I'm doubtful, frankly, that monitoring will expand to the degree that, you know, the, the insiders in the industry are kind of forecasting. But, you know, it's a product we offer today. I do think that, you know, background screening itself is that kind of last and final moment before the person comes into your organization to determine, hey, is this person a fit or are they not? Um, I think monitoring is really going to be driven by the market in terms of overall acceptance. And I know, uh, you know the background screening industry is going to keep pushing it because it's a very attractive revenue stream for their <laughs> Right, right. It's in their best interest. Um, right. And yeah, there is benefits to the company. So, you know, like I get it. I get it. Um, give us some yeah. examples without names. Uh, give us some examples <laughs> of things that you've you've helped you know fama has helped your clients avoid just by just but now you know and then you can you're with that knowledge you can make a better hiring decision what are things that they've avoided and give us some examples of those things yeah sure so uh we're the type of company that uh ideally you, you never find out 
you know, the pain that we helped you avoid, right? So mm-hmm. it's kind of like an insurance policy risk policy here. So, you know, with Fama every single day, you know, with the volumes that we're transacting on today, uh, companies, whether it's in, you know, the healthcare, financial services, tech, media, and entertainment, retail, staffing, um, we've now seen adoption across industries where every single day we have folks that are identifying things, like you said, like intolerance, racist tweets, that kind of thing, uh, litigation, you know, involving harassment around the candidate, right? Uh, that kind of thing. So what we're doing is helping preclude and avoid any potential brand damage, um, you know, for these clients also at the same time, any negative impact on their culture. So without getting like too deep into the detail, we've seen a, a range of use cases. There's this kind of like typical, I want to know about intolerance, right? That's the very low, you know, low probability, call it like one and a half, two percent of all reports that are coming back, but, you know, high impact sorts of things that customers want to know about. And I'd also point out too, it's not always like a binary hire, no hire decision when these sorts of you know hits come back. Oftentimes right. what an employer is going to do is just like a course correction. Like, hey, you know, you said that, you know, that joke, maybe it was a joke. You, you said it four or five times over the past few years, you know, that that's not cool at our company. That's not what we stand for. You know, it's not uh, the sort of thing that's going to make you a great fit here. You know, just you know, let's let's make sure we're on the kind of shared same frame of reference on 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 what's in and what's out you know, at a company like ours. So I'd say that's one, you know, just kind of macro that's happening every day now, you know, when you and I first met back in 2016, we were running, you know, I don't know, a few hundred reports per month. And at this point, you know, we're, we're looking in the, the, the tens or, you know, twenties of thousands at this point per month. So, um, you know, we're, we're just seeing every day, you know, that kind of use case pop up. Um, some more interesting stuff is we've done some really exciting work with uh, some of the folks who were uh, distributing uh, the vaccine uh, during the COVID pandemic. So some of the big government and private organizations that were responsible for uh, vaccine distribution, what we helped them do was identify anybody in their employee population that was promoting anti-vax content online. So uh, there we ended up actually identifying for one of our customers about 1% of all the you know 25,000 people that they were hiring uh, were promoting anti-vax ideology online and signing up to uh, to give the give the vaccine. So uh, keeping those folks uh, from giving the job and potentially, you know, uh, inserting their own agenda into the scenario was a, a pain point that many folks never had to deal with because, uh, you know, we caught it before it became a problem. So that one seems, that one. one seems rather, rather, I mean, rather objective, like, like you can you yeah, know, yeah. clear cut says, but when someone, you know, when you've said intolerance and racist, yep. those are very nuanced. They can be extreme. They can be sure. very easy to pick out. Okay, inward, got it. That is okay. There's, a, you know, done. However, <laughs> one one person's intolerance is not necessarily another person's intolerance. It's not like a universal right. intolerance, right? Sure. So how do you coach your clients through? You know, like I, I it's just, it, I just read this yesterday. It's a local school here, University of Texas at Arlington. Their uh, student council president was forced to resign because on Discord, uh, she, you know, made a joke about, well, we should just bomb all those countries. It, hmm. <laughs> it again, when we on out of context, yeah, you probably say, okay, yeah, that's a bit insensitive. Sure. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. But with context, I, especially as a sarcastic person like myself, I could actually make that funny. I, I, I know I could make that funny. So, right. like, 
you know, how do you coach people through that? Oh, I'm, but first of all, I'm I'm one of those people. I'm a rare bird. I think any I can make anything funny. Like take the I worst things of, of life, and I think I can make it funny. So <laughs> I I'm on that spectrum, and not everyone in HR and recruiting is you know on that spectrum. So I get that. So how do you coach people through what is and what isn't intolerance? What is and what isn't racism? And I don't know if that's sentiment analysis or like contextual. Like how do you how do you coach them through that? It's two fronts. I would say one, it's the the, the technical development, which I'll, I'll speak to here of, of our technology and aligning um, RAI around the most universally agreeable definition around what intolerance is and isn't. But right. the second piece of that is the uh, processes that we help our clients sort of set up inside of their organization around adjudicating um, this data when it comes back. So I'll start on the tech front. So when we built uh, Fama, you know, there are kind of two ways to go about the NLP and image recognition thing. You can either be kind of a generalist, just like Google and say, hey, look, you know, there's a, uh, here's an image, there's a dog in it, there's a street sign in the background, you know, there's a road, we think that's 75% uh, a human in the frame. Um, so you can go kind of generalist, or you can go very, very specific in terms of uh, category modeling, which is what we do. So we focused on being very good at rating and identifying what intolerance was in text and in image. And natural language processing makes up sentence analysis, a part of it, it's keyword analysis, it's punctuation, it's emojis. It's really taking a human labeled input and then training a machine to replicate the work of that human and to do it consistently. So because we've been at this now for seven years, we've gotten to a point where we aren't just you know, letting a machine kind of go off on its own. We are constantly, and I mean on like a weekly basis, retraining our algorithm on a set of standards that you know, we as a company have identified, not just like internally, but from a DE&I committee we've set up to say, this is what the universally kind of agreeable definition of intolerance is. And for fun, we sh- and we share that definition out to our clients. Here's what's going to be flagged. Here's what's not going to be flagged. So there's work that we do as a service provider to essentially say like, uh, you know, this is our definition of intolerance. This is our definition of threats, harassment. Here's what's in, here's what's out in terms of how we think about it. For example, like a threat, someone saying, my team is going to kill it this weekend is very different than someone saying like, I'm going to kill my boss this weekend, right? Those right. are two very, right. very different <laughs> statements and, and they might seem different. Unless they text. say, I'm going to kill my boss at tennis. Yeah, Which, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or I'm going to kill my kill my boss in a freestyle rap battle exactly. at, at, <laughs> at, at midnight under the streetlights. Be there. No, yeah. So, so in any event, like you, you can train a machine to, to tell the difference on that kind of thing. But yeah. to your point, still, there are there are companies, I'm telling you, like same industry, same geography, even like geographically down to the same block and the same big city that look at the same hit differently. You know, right. so what we train right. our clients on is just like background screening today, where it's, you know, a, a crim hit or a drug hit or a verification hit is going to mean different things to different employers based on their risk tolerance, right? Some companies are going to be very stringent about that six-year-old criminal conviction. Others are going to be like, you know what? It was nonviolent. We really need people. We're bringing you in, right? So ultimately, it's, it's really on the company to decide. And when we train our clients on adjudication, we encourage them to look at, um, you know, a, a, a few different kind of uh, uh, elements of, of, the, of the report. So the first being the frequency. How many hits are we seeing? Is this just a one-off thing? Is this something that, 
you know, has happened time and time again? Or is this, you know, just a, a kind of one-off joke this person made a few years ago, right? So that whenever, and, and just taking a step back, it's like whenever you get a background check hit back and you're going to take action on as a third party, you have to go through the pre-adverse adverse notification process. And I'm sure all your listeners know about that, you know, being, being uh, tuned into the space and all that. But what that basically means is that like, the company has to share a copy of the report. They have to give the candidate an opportunity to contest the results. And it kind of opens up the platform for a discussion, you know, about, uh, uh, about what's happening. So when that hit comes back, clients are often like, okay, well, like, what do we do with this information? And so what that means is like, we look at the recency of it. We look at how, you know, how frequent was it posted? So recency is more like, you know, when was this? Was this a few years ago? Was it just last month? Was this something, you know, when this person was in a more junior stage of their career? Can we look at it as like a development thing? You know, that sort of thing. So it's the, the recency, the frequency. And then as you kind of outlined, it gets into kind of the tone of it. Um, we, we, we look at the sort of Supreme Court definition of pornography when, you know, you kind of know it when you see it, right? And 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 that's kind of how our. I think that was just have... the excuse for them to look at pornography. By the way, just as, <laughs> as a mental note, I think like, that was because I remember that bit, and it was like we're going to take six months and really kind of really define. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. I want to define that too. I mean, if I especially <laughs> get paid to define it. <laughs> Suddenly, in the next few few industries, porn makes the or a few years, the porn makes the internet. You know, that's yeah, that's yeah, what that's yeah, what happens exactly. in, the next, in the next fifteen or twenty. Years Thanks for the right definition. That, appreciate your strong like, no, Thurman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Appreciate the definition. Now let's go make the internet. Uh, yeah. So so maybe <laughs> so maybe something good good happened out of that. But but in any event, like it's 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 something where the customer needs to have a set of policies, an adjudication framework to deal with the hits that come back consistently. And it's not like a set in stone thing, you know, it's something that, you know, is is not immutable. You you can edit it, you can go back, you can change your policy, and companies do that. After 90 days, 120 days on the platform where they start saying, Hey, look, you know, when we adjudicate hits, maybe we don't care as much about, you know, mm-hmm. cannabis hits, for example, or maybe we don't care as much about, you know, sexual references persons making online, that kind of thing. So um, it's really it been interesting an exercise for me to just like find the, the, the different ends of the spectrum where, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, there were, we just wrapped up our, our series B uh, financing, by the way, and quick shout out to, to Silverton Partners. Thank you. Uh, $10 million uh, series B, which we're super fired up about, but on the fundraising trail, man, I met people who were like, what is this like PCBS that you guys are doing? You know, like, I don't get this at all. Like intolerance, you know, come on, who cares about intolerance, right? So obviously a very different opinion than one that I have, but there are folks that we met along the way that were just like, you know, philosophically had a different view. So I think you'll see that in the marketplace, but I do think there's an overall trend right now for companies wanting to root out you know, the intolerance, harassment, threats, you know, legal drug use, that kind of thing um, when they're hiring. So. All right. Two, two things that I want to cover with you uh, before we go. One is, is where in the workflow, where in the funnel do you think that, that FAMA is used the best? Today, it's being run predominantly right alongside a background check. So typically mm-hmm. uh, right at the conditional offer uh, of employment today. So that's where we see the most uh, use for FAMA as kind of your final check, your safety net, auditing and validating, you know, the fact that you did everything right to get to this point. And now we're just waiting for the results of the background check to make sure that we, uh, you know, did our work on the character and fit front. So typically it's right a conditional offer of employment. I do see some companies bringing it slightly early in the funnel just because our, you know, report turnaround times and the level of insight that you get um, is such that allows you to kind of 
construct what they call sort of a sequential screening process mm-hmm. where, you know, they'll do different types of checks and then, you know, not have everything all at once. So some companies are starting to do that. I'd call that kind of like the pro advanced way to go about it. But the majority of clients are, uh, are just doing it a conditional offer of employment. Your favorite part of the Fama demo. <laughs> so I can't see you, your yeah, favorite yeah. child, you know, well, it's your favorite child. Well, I do have two two kids now. Uh, I, I did have twin <laughs> twin. I did have twin boys on December. So of course, so, so of course, you have so, a favorite. Yep. All right. So, so tell us a little bit about your favorite. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. Um, no, the uh, the the favorite part of the demo for me isn't a feature or a button or anything like that, but the the look of awe on the customer's face. Cause a lot of times we're going in and people have been doing this manually. They've been burned by something, right? They've been like, you know, caught on their heels. Many times when clients reach out, there's a reason, right? They miss something or, you know, eight, their, their leadership team is saying, Hey, we got to get ahead of this. We're worried about brand risk as an organization. So oftentimes it's kind of like the look of awe on the customer's face when they see what we can do. And also when people say like, that was simple. Oh, that's really straightforward, you know, because to me, that's like, yeah, that means we've got the product, right? We got the UI, right? We got the UX, right? So, you know, I've been, like I said, been in the trenches on this for almost a decade now at this point and, and still seeing the way that customers react when they see the simplicity and I would say kind of, you know, elegance of the solution itself. Uh, it's that reaction that that keeps me coming back uh, for more. So, I lied. Uh, one more question is buying questions questions that people if they've not been down the social screening path before what should they ask uh what should they ask people like fama what's what what should they be asking you i think you should be in any any type of hiring you know software that you're using i think compliance is a, a key piece of it right ensuring the provider that you're working with can help you deliver an fcra compliance solution because if not you know you're going to get burned and get into trouble so that's one you know, key piece, I would say that, you know, any customer should be asking a third party provider for. And yeah, the the second piece I would just say is the ability to scale, grow and become the future of screening. I mean, I think this is, uh, this is the sort of thing where, you know, we believe that the adoption is going to continue to grow like it has over the past year. And you want a company that can scale with you, grow with you and help you deliver a obviously comprehensive, high quality solution. That's just base. I think any company buying any software should want comprehensive and quality, but specifically for us, I think it's, uh, you know, the ability to scale and the ability to deliver uh, a compliance solution, protect you, protect the candidate's privacy and get you the data you need and get on with your day. So that's kind of how we think about Drops it. Mike walks off stage. Done deal. Wait, Did. cue the smoke machine. Cue the smoke machine. The, sim- <laughs> the simulated ring. Simulated ring. We're doing the music video. And we need some pyrotechnics. Uh, <laughs> hey, seriously, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You got it, man. Thanks a lot for having me on and uh, hope you invite me back. Absolutely. And thanks and congratulations on the Series B. And, and thanks for everyone listening to the Use Case Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com.